Time for Roadworthy Drive, America's premier mobility news and technology talk show. If it moves people underground or on the ground or even in the air, it's a sure thing that it'll be talked about right here. And now, here's the electric pair with energy storage issues, Ken and Sasha. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. Welcome to Roadworthy Drive, America's premier mobility news and technology talk show. We are... Ken Chester and Sasha J. Little, your hosts and tour guides for the hour. As usual, we have plenty to cover. The tidbits of news and information from the parts bin, an update about production-ready 3D printable automotive parts. That's a mouthful. It is, actually. And a conversation about your walk score. Yep, we'll talk about that later. Uh-huh. And that you're going to make these people wait until the end of the show for the best. You're saving the I best am. for last. I am. Last of the hour, the end of the hour, we're going to be talking about flying cars. Well, we're due. We it's been are. a while. It's been forever, and I'm so thankful that you're finally taking- There you go. Indeed. My hint. Mm. Oh, is that it? <laughs> All that, folks, and so much more. But for those of you who may be new to the program, here's how you can join the conversation. Call or text the Roadworthy Driveline, that number, 872-222-9793. If email is your preference, no worries. Email me at ken at roadworthydrive.net. Call, text, or email. It's all good. And speaking of all good, please welcome my bright and vivacious co-host, that ray of sunshine <laughs> that chases all the blues away, Miss Sasha J. Little. Mm -hmm. Howdy. Oh, and I need to ask you. Uh, yes, sir. What does the J stand for this week? The J stands for jumping, jumping. Jumping, jumping. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. You, is that the reason why we are freezing cold this week? I mean, it could be possible. I'm just trying to keep you warm. You know, I, I really wish you would make up with Mother Nature because this cold is it no It was joke. her fault. Uh-huh. I'm just glad that we were down here uh -huh. and not, you know, up further north. Granted. Yeah. Now, before we actually get to the parts bin, though, mm -hmm. I wanted to stop right here and give our local affiliate, KWBGAM 1590 here in Boone, Iowa, a big congratulations for receiving the National Association of Broadcasters Crystal Radio Award earlier this month in Las Vegas. Awesome. That's right. I mean, it was now the uh, NAB Crystal Radio Awards have been recognized or have recognized radio stations for their outstanding year round commitment to community service. Now, 10 recipients were chosen among the 50 finalists, and then they were honored at the We Are Broadcaster celebration. We should also note that KWBGAM is home base for Roadworthy Drive. It's where we record the show and the Roadworthy Drive Minute each and every week. And we couldn't be more proud to be associated with such wonderful, quality people. They've opened up the doors, their hearts. They've been very supportive. And we're so grateful to be with such awesome people. That's right. So hats off to General Manager Carol Kuster and her staff, Jim, Danette, Carolyn, Kirk, Doyle, Gina, Ryan, and Mike. For a job well done. Great job, guys. Awesome. Now, from the parts bin. Yes, sir. Sasha. Yes. Let, let me let me try this on for size. <clears throat> okay. A Ford Mustang inspired electric crossover. Okay, now wait, wait, wait. When they say Ford Mustang inspired, inspired. are they saying the body or are they saying the power? Um, they are saying uh look, for example. 
Uh-huh. And I believe power, but here's the kicker. Yeah. The this is this is an electric. Uh-huh. What All kind electric? Of, yes. Okay. What, what kind of range do you think they're talking? Ooh, for Ford, let's see. I'm going to go with 280. 300? Try, try 370. What? 370 miles. Now, in fairness, uh-huh. that's the European measurement. Ford is actually aiming for an actual mileage range of 300 miles, which is still more towards the higher end mm-hmm. of what's out there. Okay. I mean, obviously, Tesla Model S, if you're willing to spend the money, is like over th- about 330. Right, uh, right. Chevy Bolt with a B is like 238. Uh, a Nissan Leaf mm-hmm. is about 150. And that's still up 50% of where it was. Stop it. Hey, I'm just saying. 50% of nothing is still nothing. Oh, why are you hating? I d- just they saying. got the nerve to call this now, a performance uh-huh. electric Stop it. CUV. Okay, so riddle me this, sir. Yes, ma'am. Um, they're saying it's a Ford Mustang inspired. Mm-hmm. Okay, so mm-hmm. does that necessarily mean that this is going to be, when you order a Ford Mustang, it's going to come in two-door, four-door convertible no. and SUV? No. no. Like, is it, are they making a mini station wagon? No. This is, this is actually going to be part of Ford's sub-brand in Europe. Uh, I believe called for actually Ford Hybrid. Okay. So we'll see. I don't think they have a name for it just yet. All right. Uh, now they're building a smaller one. A smaller what? Uh, hybrid. So like a half of a jelly bean. Ooh, ouch. I mean, I'm just saying we uh, have done wheels of non-consent has done the Ford. What do we have? Escape? EcoSport. EcoSport. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was. It was uh, pretty. <sighs> so many things. Uh-huh. Their their new small one is uh-huh. called the Puma. Oh, I like the name. Mm-hmm. It's an athletic, high-riding, compact crossover <laughs> wearing what Ford calls, and this is Ford, wing-top-mounted headlights. Uh, wing. That's all I got. Top. It's the same Fiesta-based compact crossover. Fiesta. How, how are you going to saddle Fiesta with Puma and then... Sa- you know what? You need to talk to Ford about that. I, I do. Mm-hmm. But they're not returning my calls about Canvas, so uh, I'm not sure... <laughs> Just saying. But do you have I, a picture of this baby yet? I do not. Ah. But I guess we'll see. These are two different ones. Mm-hmm. And we'll see if either of them end up getting exported to the United States. I'm going to put my money down on new. I would argue that the Ford Mustang inspired crossover could probably end up here. You think so? Yes. Like if they made it big enough. I mean, they're, they're going to have to. As we learn more about the size and yeah. attributes, uh, there was some talk of also building a kind of what they call high wagon or compact uh, station wagon SUV. No SUV based on the fusion. <sighs> and it's a lot to work with. Yeah. So we're just going to have to see. Okay. All right. Um, in other news. Yes. What you got? We have been critical in the past mm. of Fiat Chrysler. What? Have we? Y- yes, we when? have. Name a time. Uh, you, you ain't got <laughs> enough time. I will say it this way. Because they make such great, wonderful business decisions. You know, right now, honestly, uh-huh. building Jeeps and building Rams in a market that wants them both, yeah, and ever increasing sales, uh-huh. ever increasing employment in Southeast Michigan. I know which how we hard reported. is it to actually like give people what they want when they want it? Oh, uh, actually, in the auto industry, yeah, it what? is tough. Mm. Lead time, mm-hmm. lead time. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the time you build a factory, mm-hmm. American tastes are fickle. Uh, if something Not happens, when it comes to trucks, yeah, but you know what? You still have to bet on it, and it's. 
anywhere from two to four years from the time you decide to build it mm-hmm. to the time it rolls off the assembly line. Yeah, but line. what I'm saying is, is that when it comes to pickup trucks, you've got a fan base. I mean, it's a lifestyle. And then when you're talking about the Jeep, that, that's all on their own. It is, but Jeep has tried this before. You forget the Commander. Do I forget? No. I, and it, I, and it I remember did, the yeah, Commander. Two years. That was it. Just like I love me the Patriot. God, I love the Patriot. Uh-huh. By the same token, they also attempted, Chrysler also attempted an upscaled SUV called the Aspen. Yeah, I remember that. Again, two years. One of those years, believe it or not, was a hybrid. And yeah. I don't know if any of those ever made it out. If they did, real low numbers. But it didn't work because they were too early in the process. All right, so now, what are they doing now? Okay, what they're doing now, because the amount of money it's required, and we've been critical of this, yep. that they were going to need way more money to get with the program for connected, uh, autonomous, and electric vehicles. Right. And they were playing catch-up. Even though Waymo was using the Chrysler, Chrysler Pacifica. Pacifica. And right. they were using the hybrid. Yes, they were. However, to get to where they needed to, we argue that hybrids are cute and that's nice. They are But adorable. it's so 10 years ago. <laughs> it is so. You need to to be in a full electric situation, whether it be battery-based, hydrogen-based, or something else. All right, let's go. What are they they doing? They're teaming up. Because obviously they're listening to Roadworthy Drive. Of course they are. Right. PSA Group, Uh the same folks who bought GM's European operations last year, is teaming up with them to develop, at least for Europe, is what they call a super platform. Platforms are where the money is spent. Platforms is determines what you're able to build for competition, and it really sets your business plan for the next 10 to 15 years. Now, the fiat would make sense to me, um, especially in Europe, because they love it them. But here's the thing. Fiat has a small platform. Right. They wouldn't need that for Europe. But if you're going to go electric and you're going to go the next size up right. or have other alternatives, okay. uh, for the money they'd have to spend for a brand new platform, you're talking billions of dollars with a B. Right, right. And you've got to get the cost. I mean, Ford and Volkswagen are looking at things. Yep. GM and Honda has done things. Even Ford and GM have developed transmissions together. Yep. So it's not unheard of. Okay. Uh, even Toyota, Mazda, Subaru have all shared something at one time or another. Right, right. And they do that to mitigate costs where there's a lot of generic outlay that not one company would be wise to take on. Well, good but, for them. So we'll see what happens to see if this changes the conversation and them being able to be competitive. Okay. Next, production-ready 3D-printed automotive parts. It's a thing. See how when we return. Roadworthy Drive is a cornerstone of the Roadworthy Drive radio network. You guys like this car? The Insurance Institute for Highway Safety recently issued a study reporting occupant death rates in thousands of accidents. Look, cup holders. The study found that minivans as a group had an average occupant death rate twice as high as the car with the lowest death rate, the Volvo 240 wagon. So if you're considering a minivan instead of a Volvo, maybe you'd like to reconsider. I mean, if you're considering a minivan, Mm -hmm. you already. That is a 1991 Volvo commercial for a 1991 Volvo 240 wagon. I just been out of production for over oh my 27 years. <laughs> okay, moving. 
moving on. Uh-huh. If you are just tuning in, you are listening to Roadworthy Drive, and we are so glad that you are choosing to ride along with us. I am Sasha J. Little, and over there is Ken Chester. And wow. Really? It's it's hour. like that. It's like that now. Uh huh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> The vo- I see that the Volvo commercial was a little too much for you. I forget that that voice sounded so familiar, and I could picture like this face in a my head. A lot of actors did that kind of voiceover. In fact, we even did a commercial that had Tina Turner. Yes, we did. In. Oh, and we've done a few with uh, Rock Hudson. Mm-hmm, indeed. And uh, way back, way back when, way back in the day, uh-huh. yeah. And and a few others notable before they were famous, and some after they were famous. Yep. Yep. But Sasha, this segment mm-hmm. is all about production-ready, 3D-printed automotive parts. Now, we've talked about 3D metal-printed parts before. We have, actually. Um, and all of its advantages. Right. Uh, parts that are lighter, stronger, and more intricate. The big thing is that typically uh, you're either going to form, uh, manipulate, or... Uh, or um, chisel or wear away mm-hmm. to make something. In other words, if you start with a block of something and then you do what they call subtractive manufacturing, either with some sort of chisel or something to form that part. Yeah, I want to say that it's very similar to watching, um, uh, when I took CAD in high school. Mm-hmm. So it's very similar to that where you type in and then it just kind of chisels at the, the mm-hmm. block of... Mm-hmm. Only this time we're talking about additive manufacturing. Right. Using different metals. And it's pretty cool because you would think plastic's okay or resins or something like that. Right, right. That when people think of 3D printing anything, they usually think of plastic parts. Yes, they do. But now automakers are getting into and developing systems that will allow uh, larger and larger batches of metal parts. Well, and we had talked about the fact that what does this do to our vintage automotive um, about, you know, them getting their parts and now you don't necessarily have to scour the, the uh, right. you know, the, the um, why am I blanking on what internet. they're called? No, well, the uh, internet or, or, or your, the manuals or the swap meets or the, or, yards or, or the junkyards the or whatever. The junkyards and stuff. The beautiful part is the ultimate customization. Yeah. Plus the ability to make the part in a way that is as close to the original part as opposed to a copy of it. Exactly. I mean, and because what I understand, especially if you're getting it directly from the automaker mm-hmm. who has one of these 3D printer, printers, mm-hmm. you are literally getting exactly what it needs without it being you know, reformatted or anything else like that. And the beautiful part that they're looking at as they're working more and more uh-huh. is that they're able to combine in the making of these ad- additive parts, uh-huh. they're able to combine different parts that used to have to be assembled separately. To make to, it all just one piece? To make it one piece, oh. which is lighter, yeah. stronger, because of course, as we're moving towards electric vehicles, yes. the big issue is what they call light weighting yes, in the industry. Yes, it is. Yeah. Getting the same quality and the same performance that weighs less, be- yeah. because less uh, a lighter vehicle obviously would go further because there's less weight to move. Now, let me ask you this. As someone that's been in and out of the car industry for a lot of time, do you think that this is going to open up a genre? Like, And I know you're going to do the whole, ugh, but for someone like me where my dream car is the MGB, like what my grandfather bought, like, stop it. Stop with that. Stop. 
<laughs> really? But my grandfather bought it for my grandmother. It has sentimental value. Okay, I'll give you that. Could it be something where I could take like an MGB? reach out to the manufacturer, have them almost like piece together like a 3D, but then make it electric. Do you see what I'm saying? Okay, here's the challenge. And I mean, this, are we talking like floor up or are we just what, talking what about What you're talking parts? about is some of the shortcomings of additive manufacturing. Okay. There are cheaper ways to do like uh, doors and deck lids and the metal parts uh -huh. that are structural. Uh-huh. It's still cheaper to stamp those out of steel. Okay. Okay. All right. Additive, additive manufacturing is not going to replace that. Right. But right now they're looking at brackets and other intricate high value parts. Okay. Where you could see more and more components. BMW even has talked about over the last, and I forget how many years, they've already manufactured some 1 million parts uh, using a 3D process. So it's not something where you could... And even though we've talked about how customized it could be, the process mm -hmm. could be, we're not talking about necessarily getting a car for car swap. No. But maybe if you find one that's in root, like the the frame is in pretty good shape, um, and then you could get like the piece parts, like the hard to find piece it, it parts from the it manufacturer. It depends on the investment. It depends on uh, the commitment. Because okay. you still have to have a model in which the additive system will work from. Well, I mean, despite what everyone and everyone always says about the MGB, I'm still committed to that car. I feel for you. <laughs> I, I, I know people who not? have restored variants of that car. Yeah. They tell horror stories No, there's about parts that they got from the manufacturer that did not fit. Yeah. yeah that year and that car. Yeah. Notorious. And how they had to manipulate the parts yep. even after they got them yeah. in order to make them work. In-house, yep. Uh -huh. Now, the big thing, as they get more and more different metals mm -hmm. to that are that they can make 3D additive manufacturing, okay. is all the kinds of improvements, lighter, stronger, fewer parts, easier to assemble, but you won't get a full car. Okay. Uh, in the case of, and we've talked about uh, vintage vehicles. Yes. And you've, you've alluded to that. You may get some of the harder parts, uh, uh, brackets and maybe substructures. Okay. That may be made. Would but it, you still won't get, you won't get fenders, you won't get trunk lids, you won't get hood lids, you know, or sides. Okay, but riddle me this. Could I have a car and I'm just saying like a, you know, 69 Corvette mm -hmm. and then, but I want to make it electric. Would the ability of 3D printing allow me to make um, different parts so that way it's easier to take out the combustion engine and all that and then insert like No, electric? because you're talking about more engineering uh, okay. because lightweighting is one thing and right. that's where this really shines. Okay. Uh, intricate parts, being able to make an intricate part that is optimized for the structure that weighs less, is stronger, and more durable. Okay. Those are things that can happen. As far as a wholesale conversion, no. Because we've reported about, you know, people that have taken, like, the old vintage cars and actually converted them. Turned them into them. electrics. Yeah. But you've got a whole nother thing. For example, if you pull that out, you've got a trans... In a case of a 69, yeah. you've got a transmission, you've got a drive shaft, you've got a rear-end drive... All of that has to be addressed on what you're going to do with it. If you're going to make it front drive, well, then that...
talks about uh, the equipment. When we come back, we talk about walk scores. Keep your device tuned right here. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. You are tuned in to Roadworthy Drive. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. You're listening to Roadworthy Drive. We are Ken and Sasha at the controls to make sure you have safe listening of the show. For those of you who are new, be sure to visit our website, and that's roadworthydrive.com. Absolutely. And you'll want to check out our sponsors page that mm-hmm. we have added. We also have pages for uh, you can listen to the podcast version of the show mm-hmm. under the Listen to Us. Mm-hmm. We are constantly adding new stations. In fact, we just added one for the Roadworthy Drive Minute this week. We did. So you could find out where you can loose, listen to us there, uh-huh. as well as uh, you can find out what we're doing on the social media front. Uh, and there's time with Sasha. There is time with Sasha, though I haven't updated in a while. So I've got to get back on that because mm-hmm. uh, I know a lot of uh, people were texting the Roadworthy Driveline mm-hmm. wanting to know what the sites were and stuff like Absolutely. that. So I got to make sure that I keep that up. But anyway, you'll want to make sure to like us on Facebook, Roadworthy Drive and Tech with Sasha. So that way you are appraised with what we're going on. And where exactly are we in social media these days? We've got Facebook. Right. And, um, and Twitter, Twitter, we're on to Twitter, Peyton. Um, once we actually start, I getting... actually saw Twitter Peyton this morning. <laughs> That's right, we did. <laughs> Two, uh, the first set was Starlings Something. came swooping out of nowhere, and then the next set was Sparrow Robins and nothing but wings, nothing but wings and feathers. A lot of Twitter, never right. Uh, very Twitter. Um, so then, and then once we actually get the cars going again this this uh, this season. year, this season, we'll get the uh, Instagram going around. Uh huh. And wheels of non consent. And wheels of non consent. I think I've got them just about to forgive you, Sasha. <sighs> I, I've been working on it. Have you? I have. Uh huh. I have. Um, we're also available on podcasting, too. Well, of course. You can always check us out on Google Play and Stitcher and Blueberry. And of course, Spotify. Spotify. Yes, sir. You can, yeah, if you miss it here, you can always listen there. Uh, your favorite place to spot, your fav, <laughs> favorite place, Spotify. <laughs> yeah, favorite podcast uh, location. That's right. Yes. So, yeah, we, we are on most of them. So, check it out. So, Sasha, here's the question. Yes. What is your walk score? Ah, uh, you know what? Do you know what a walk score is? I do not. What mm. is what exactly is a walk score? Okay, let me. I'm going to because I do know how you. to walk for really well. Know? I'm pretty sure I would pass the test. Well, is this like me. a sobriety test? No. Like, do I have to heel no. toe it? What a walk score is, and it's actually a company called Walk Score. Oh. And before I go any further, okay, uh, you folks are gonna want to write this down, and you'll understand when I explain it. www.walkscore.com backslash score backslash score uh-huh okay www.walkscore.com backslash score okay here's what a walk score is all right the walk score measures the walkability of locations throughout the world the more amenities restaurants movie theaters schools that you have around you and the closer they are the higher your grade walk score walks ranks the walkability of the 50 largest cities in the united states um, and honestly, no matter where you live, cause I tested it, even here in the upper Midwest, I've been able to get a walk score. Now, those of y'all have been listening a while know that we've reached out to include walking as part of mobility is actually the first 
type of mobility ever. Right, which I'm kind of shocked that we haven't talked about walking Uh before now. Now, I got curious when I started this whole research. So I looked up where I lived. Okay. To find out how walkable it was, because I thought the sidewalks were awful, atrocious. We actually did a show on that. We did. Yeah. And this is why. According to walkscore.com backslash score, Uh put in my street address. Yeah. The walk score on a range of one to 100, one being awful, 100 being like Nirvana for walking. Where Uh do you think I ended up? Let's see. Uh, yeah, but you live it. I'm going to say 75, 80. 44. Are you serious? Car dependent. Oh, According yeah. to them, most errands require a car. You know, I... But it gets worse. Okay. In the town that I live in, which is a suburb of Des Moines, mm-hmm. it has an average walk score that is half that. Oh. 21. Oh, that is sad. It says this location is car dependent neighborhood, so most errands require a car. Nearby public transit, one bus line, and it's at least two and a half blocks away. Now, it's funny that you say that because, as some of you may have known, I am actually looking to make a big move. So I have been on Zillow mm-hmm. uh, for the last few months mm-hmm. um, looking for available properties. Mm-hmm. And so the one house that I actually fall fell in love with i've been watching it for like months Mm -hmm. um it has a walk walk score because i did not know that zillow had this until you just mentioned it right now Mm -hmm. but it has a walk score here in boone of 74 Mm -hmm. so but see boone is and i think your walk scores are probably going to be better in some of the smaller towns because or larger cities in the core where everything is walkable. Give you an example. Since you're on the subject of Boone, uh-huh. I thought I would put in the address of the studio. Okay, yeah. What do you think the watt score is? Well, if the house was 74, I'm going to put it in the 80s. 85. Yeah. And it, that ranks is very walkable. Most errands can be accomplished on foot. And we are right downtown in beautiful Boone, Iowa, next to the mighty Union Pacific Railroad. Yeah, but I have to find fault with that because if I want to go grocery shopping, that's clear on the other side of town. No, 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 no. That's right. I forgot all about the high V. Four blocks over, one block down. Yep. It's a 15-minute walk tops. Yeah, it's really not that bad. Basically, about the same distance from my apartment to my post office. Yeah. Not much further than that. And I mean, and it's a very, it's a very easily accessible town the way that they've got everything hooked up. Now, what they talked about with WalkScore, they said it's not infallible uh, because they added a lot of different things and, and, you know, some of it's subjective, but it's a good first step in trying to put measurement to it because, you know, in recent years, everybody's talked about, you know, bike paths and foot paths, but the big thing is purpose-driven sidewalks, yeah. not so much. Uh, they tend to look at sidewalks as something as part of the landscape yeah. and landscaping, which does make them very useful for getting from point A to point B. If you are an American in this country that doesn't have the luxury of owning a motor vehicle, mm-hmm. either due to finance or physical impairment or something, or by choice. Yeah, or by choice. Or by choice. Because I would. Uh, you get limited really fast yeah. if you're dependent 
on sidewalks in terms of where you can live and what you can do. Um, the route, for example, to my post office is sort of semi-circular to get there. It's not a direct route. Yeah. And the condition of the sidewalks are are questionable. They're not consistent. The width is not consistent. The condition is not consistent. Uh, if you're not paying attention, you can literally trip and hurt yourself. Now, do you have the ramping up at the intersections? Not in every case, no. Oh, gosh. In some cases you do, and in some cases you don't. And I looked at that, which got me totally started by this. Uh -huh. But if you're wondering uh, how you rank, I think this is a good first step. Now, it's not infallible. But it is a good first step in order to figure out if you are in a situation where you want to be in a neighborhood where you have a choice that you don't have to get into a vehicle to go to the grocery store, to the post office, to the cleaners. This is a good thing to bear in mind. Finally, the question I know that is on your mind, when will we actually have flying cars? Yes. Find out when we return after this. Roadworthy Drive is America's premier mobility news and technology talk show. This is the fourth and final segment for this hour of Roadworthy Drive. We are Sasha J. Little and Ken Chester. For we sure. Are we are like is that who we, we are? We bees. Okay, you're better than we is. That's not proper <laughs> English. Gosh. Oh, wow. Your mobility geeks who are your go-tos when you need to know what is going on in the world around you with respect to mobility. And we got you back. For sure, Sasha. Before we get to that last topic, a programming note. During hour number two of our program, we will be talking about shared mobility startups and the desire to disrupt your transportation habits, as well as that popular segment that everybody loves, Tech with Sasha. That's right. And this week, I'm actually going to be talking um, about mobility versus disability. And interesting enough, uh, inspired by a conversation with one of our listeners, Autonomy versus the worker. Do we even need us anymore? Ooh. Yeah. Mm, that, yeah. Yeah. If your favorite radio station doesn't carry the second hour of Roadworthy Drive, no worries. You can catch it on our website, roadworthydrive.com, or your favorite podcast app. That's right. Well, you can find us on Google Play, Stitcher, Blueberry, and of course, Spotify. Spotify. Of course. Sasha? Yes. Flying cars. <gasps> Flying cars. Yeah. And if you're looking for the Jetsons theme about now. Right. Yeah. Most people are still asking. And no, no. It I'm sorry. No. You're not going to get the autonomous flying car that wraps up in a briefcase that you can carry into the office. Well, I mean, in all actuality, I wouldn't necessarily want that anyway, because I want my flying car, car to actually change colors as per my mood, like a mood ring, like a giant uh, flying mood ring. No. I can no. come out there and just like program it. I want you purple with uh, no. with blue flame. No. Add some glitter. No. Glitter. Really? Yes. Yes. Okay. I have to put everything. I have to put glitter in everything now because I, you decided to write some people and try to get glitter illegal. That's right. Yeah. Not okay. Get it outlawed. Yes, it is. <laughs> okay, folks. Believe it or not, flying cars are becoming a thing for some people right now. Okay. Uh, both of the major commercial aircraft makers, Boeing and Airbus, as well as a slew of companies ranging from Uber to a company called Kitty Hawk, which is actually owned by one of the folks who owns Google, hmm. and even some automakers are in play. 
uh, the parent of Volvo, Toyota, and Honda have some development going on right now. Well, Toyota, we talked about that they've got that they gave a, a funding to a small little company, mm-hmm. and they were hoping to have the first test of the vehicle was it last year and then it got pushed back to this year and i think now they're shooting for 2020 might be let me blow your mind okay what do you got how many small airborne vehicles do you think will be coming to the market in the next few years care to care to throw a number out there repeat the question please sir how many yeah um car-like vehicles taking to the air Uh uh-huh do you think will be coming to the market in the next few years. Next few years? Yeah. Are you giving me five or five or less? Five or less. I'm going to say 35. 20. Oh, okay. Some are drone-like with yeah. anywhere from four to 18 rotors. Most are fixed wing craft with propellers that point upwards for vertical takeoff and landing, which is a vir- virtual takeoff and landing vehicle, uh-huh. a VTOL, and tilt forward for flight. Uh, some are more realistic than others. And we talked about Airbus and Boeing. Mm-hmm. And they're looking more like an air taxi situation. Yeah. Is that the one where it's got the four uh, wind least. turbines yeah. with the four corners? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I actually like that design. I think that design is actually. And actually, there's a raft of smaller companies right. that are pushing aggressive timelines. One that we've seen, uh, Germany's Volocopter. Yeah. They plan to start trials this year of a flying taxi, of all places, in Singapore. Yeah. What a surprise. Well, where, where the first autonomous taxi actually uh, started, what, now, three, four years ago? Well, and don't forget the fact that we have reported here that in Miami, they're already building the upper class high rises with the pad on the yep. on on the roofs yep. for their clientele's inspect or um ins- uh, expecting the fact that their residents will, in fact, have either access to or own a flying flying vehicle. Uh, one of my favorite is something called a Terrafusia Transition. The Terrafusia. It was a company started 10 years ago. Right. Well, actually, 12 years ago. Okay. By, in Massachusetts, my home state. Oh, yes. By a bunch right. of MIT grads yep. that got bought by an automaker. Yeah. Geely Motors, the parent of Volvo. Yeah. Their first... Pre-production model took flight for testing 10 years ago. Wow. They started delivering vehicles this year. Shut up. Plus, Uh in order to get one of those, it's a special category of license under the FAA, kind of a special experimental uh, pilot's license that you kind of need. Okay. It's not the full-blown license that you need even for general aviation. Okay. I forget how many, it was either 20 or 60 hours of time that you had to take in order to get it. But that was probably the closest thing to what people are thinking about when they think about a flying car. And how many passengers does that one take? Is that a two-seater or four? Two-seater? Two. And when are we getting ours? Uh, you know, you're going to have to talk to the suits about that. I'm thinking. Cause, I'm I mean, thinking not. No, no, Because no. if I recall the price on this thing, uh-huh. it was in the vicinity of about three hundred to $400,000. I mean, what is that in the grand scheme of things? Uh, not in our budget. That's what that is. <laughs> I, I can guarantee you. Not in our budget. Okay. Um, a couple, and we talked about uh, Boeing's uh, working with a company called Aurora. They're looking at a fixed-wing virtual takeoff and landing vehicle. Okay. Uh, they're looking at testing it starting this year. They're about five years out. 
They're looking at developing it, developing it for Uber. Okay. Uh, for Air, Uber lifts specifically. For Uber Elevate, right? Eleva- Elevate. That's right. right. Uh, Val, Val, Val Hannah, which is working with Airbus. Okay. They're also looking at a fixed wing virtual takeoff and landing vehicle. Is anyone actually doing the transformer type idea? That where would be the Terrafusia. Where it starts as a car. That's the Terrafusia. Okay. That's, that's why I, I led with that. Yeah. Because they're the ones of when you think flying car. Yeah. That's really it. The rest of these, to it, not so much a car per se, uh-huh. but an alternative. It's not a helicopter. It's not an airplane. Uh, and they're using like mini helipad. Well, I don't you even want to use You would still need helipads. a vehicle for the last mile type thing. Yes. Yeah. But okay. that's why they're moving towards kind of the air taxi. Their goal is to go electric, mm-hmm. virtual takeoff and landing, autonomous. Okay. That's where that's going. I could see that. In order to make it more of a part of a public transportation or even a higher price private transportation, right. much like a private car or a limo is today. Yeah. Take this to the next level and imagine if you're a business person mm-hmm. who lives outside of a city core yeah. and a hard to get to place, uh, here's a way... Here's a way to do that and not fool with the traffic. Okay. So we'll see, but 20 companies over the next five years. That is years. really impressive. Like, And that just goes to show. I mean, we have every single week. Yep. So watch this space. Yes. That ends the festivities for this hour. Thanks for listening. On behalf of Sasha and myself, see you next time. Bye-bye, folks. Bye. Roadworthy Drive is a copyrighted presentation of the Roadworthy Drive radio network. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of Roadworthy Drive Productions Incorporated.